All right, guys, what's up? This is Graham Smith coming at you once again. Hold on a second. I got some nasty feedback. Nasty, nasty feedback. Sorry about that, guys. Let me figure out what's going on with that. Ah, uh, there it is. All right. Nasty delay. How you guys doing tonight? This is Graham Smith coming back at you once again for Voluntary Japan. Good to see you guys. Peace. Hope you're doing well. Um, tonight, we are supposed to be joined by IP lawyer and well-known libertarian slash anarchist, uh, former faculty member of the Mises Academy and founder of the Center for the Study of Innovative Freedom, uh, Stefan Kinsella. But I am having some problems getting in contact with Mr. Kinsella right now, so we're going to see what's going on. I don't know if he forgot or if he's having some technical difficulties, so we're going to try to get him in here as soon as possible but until then we'll just get the show started and uh, talk about crypto and talk about what we're going to be talking about tonight uh, which is a very interesting topic for me and apparently for many others as the recent post that uh, myself uh, Mr. Kinsella, Chris LaRue and Eric July and several several other people who were arguing back and forth about this um, anarchy ball thread um, which later migrated to my Facebook page when I made a post about it, and it was at like 600-plus comments um, by the time I dropped out of it. So pretty, uh, yeah, it's a pretty hot topic, I guess. And we're talking about basically IP, uh, but further than IP, we're talking about thoughts and are thoughts ownable? Do you own the thoughts in your head? And there's a lot of disagreements. A lot of them, I think, just basically centering around semantic issues and words and, you know, linguistic norms and, and stuff like that. But I think it's an interesting topic and one worthy of exploration. Um, I myself tend to think that, yes, I well, I understand the idea that, like, Stefan Kinsella puts forth that you own your body and that's all we need to say is body ownership. I still kind of, you know, I kind of am, kind of draw back at the idea that we don't own our thoughts when are in when they're in our head uh, because we own our bodies and therefore we should own the electrochemical energy and such happening. Um, the other issue that we were really going back and forth about was whether you can sell an idea and I mentioned things to several people in several different comments sections about, for example, selling a consultation service. Or if I am going to tell you my best method for approaching playing guitar, what I think, and someone might pay me for that, and that's a voluntary transaction. And I tend to say, or have tended to say in the past, well, I just sold my ideas, my thoughts. And a lot of people say, oh, no, 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 you didn't sell your thoughts, you sold a service. And I'm still failing to see the real practical difference between that. Now, what some people are misconstruing what I'm saying to mean is that I mean once I, for example, you know, put a song out there or put an idea out there that I think I own it and anyone else who makes their own conception after hearing that idea, that I'm going to go beat them up and that's my idea you know, and like statist IP where, oh, you can't copy that book with your own pen and paper because that's my idea, where effectively it's a reverse slavery, basically. You tell someone how they can or cannot use their hard drive or their computer or their pen and ink. I'm totally against that. 
I just want to clarify between like statist IP and voluntary terms of use contracts where say I have some great ideas for a song lyric or for song lyrics you want to know and I sell them to you that's totally cool if it's voluntary and in such a situation we could also make a voluntary terms of use contract and I could put restrictions on it like please don't release these song lyrics till X date and that makes a lot of self-labeled anarchists recoil in fear and say no 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 that's IP but actually that's nothing more than a voluntary terms of use contract and to be fair um, Stefan Kinsella I believe he agrees with me there that there's nothing wrong with that and nothing illegitimate about that but geez folks if it doesn't look like that um, he's not around or something's not going not connecting here so I'm not sure but let's jump over to um, CoinCap, CoinCap.io, and see what's going on there. And um, while we're at it, why don't you guys let me know what uh, cryptocurrencies you're excited about? I'm pretty excited about the ones that are still uh, relatively affordable. Of course, uh, Bitcoin doing very well right now, and you know, crypto in general is just taking off worldwide. But um, it's always interesting to talk about the cryptos that are still scoopable. You can scoop them up for a cheap price. And um, yeah, well, it says we're live here, folks. But it looks like my connection is bad. What's going on here? Do I have a bad connection on Safari? No, that seems to be working. Everything seems to be cool. How come I can't connect to CoinCap? Come on, CoinCap. For whatever reason, CoinCap now just won't load. That is really interesting. All right, I guess we're going to skip that too. What the hell is going on here tonight? I guess I should have had a beer with me tonight, huh? This is weak. I can't get the CoinCap. Let me check some other stuff. Let me make sure I'm still online. The show must go on, folks, but it's looking like uh, I can't get connected to Stefan. Google's working fine. I'm just having some problems getting coincap.io to load up. That's kind of strange. Um, let me try one more time. Oh, there she comes. There she is. Yeah, so Bitcoin right now at 4835 Dollars. Let me go to a screen share. You guys can check out those prices with me. Do 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 do. Coincap.io. Yeah. So there you can see a Bitcoin. Four thousand eight hundred thirty-five bucks. Ethereum about three hundred four dollars fifty-four cents. You can see all this good stuff here. Uh, Monero is a really good one. I really like the privacy aspect of. Monero and um, let's go down here a little bit further I was talking about some other coins that are still not very expensive of course I really love steam I'm a very active steamit.com user um, some other promising ones though uh, with really good market caps cool cool teams of developers um, I've been reading a lot about basic attention it's a uh, it seems really promising they got a whole web browser um, they're trying to revolutionize 
the advertising industry by basically um, making it all peer-to-peer -peer and voluntary for publishers, advertisers, and users alike. Pretty cool stuff. Made safe coin. Pretty cool. Um, but yeah, let me go back to here. Also, if you have questions for Stefan, should he be able to join today, this morning for him? Like I said, I'm not sure if he forgot. I'm not sure what's going on. But you can post them in the live chat. I'm going to be watching the live chat to um, see what's going on there and taking your comments there. Uh, let me know when you're here. It's always good to know who's here. And I'm going to pour myself a little grapefruit juice while we wait for a second. This will really fucking suck if he's not available because I've just been really preparing for this a lot because I'm really looking forward to this conversation man so I'm not exactly sure what's going on let me head back over to the Zucker books and uh, check messenger and still nothing nothing from the Kinsella camp well anyways I guess I'm just gonna lay my groundwork a little bit more thoroughly so what happened was um, you could see in the comments uh, sorry in the description of this video is um, Kinsella commented on Manarchy Ball Post about property. And um, I'll show you what he said in that post. Uh, let me get to it. I'm going to show you guys a screenshot so, screenshot so you can see exactly what was said. Here we go. All right. So, no, you don't own your thoughts. No one owns them. They are unownable things. You are equivocating in your use of property. Ownership doesn't mean merely having exclusive control. Crusoe on his island has exec exclusive control of various scarce resources, but he doesn't own them since there are no other people. There is no society. Okay, so this is where um, I and several others began to take issue with the idea that ownership doesn't exist outside of an organized society. And my underlined part here, ownership means the legally recognized right to control. And that one really threw up a red flag for me. That in order for ownership to exist, it must be legally recognized. Because that would, that would mean then, uh, by extension, you know, logically taking that to its con conclusion, that in the absence of an organized legal system, well, there can be no such thing as ownership. I've since talked to uh, Stefan about this, and he's kind of said something different and said that uh, property violations could occur absent a legal system. So that's one thing I really want to get straight tonight. Uh, you do have control and ownership of your body, and this gives you the ability to decide what information to release or not, and gives you the ability to act on whatever information you want. But this doesn't mean you own your body and your ideas. This is double counting and equivocational. And this is one more problem I had was this idea of double counting. Um, because to double count, you have to count the same thing, entity or object, twice. So if you own your body and counting your ideas is double counting, that means your ideas are part and parcel, one and the same with your body. So obviously you would own them too. Um, I see where Kinsella is going and saying that if we start saying we can own thoughts, people are going to be pursuing positive rights, say like, oh, I, I made that song and now you're singing those lyrics, I can beat you up. Um, that's not what myself or... Chris LaRue or any of the people that I know that are taking issue with these things have been arguing. We're simply arguing against the dogmatic approach um, that 
that in a fear recoil knee-jerk reaction sees even voluntary terms of use contracts uh, such as me selling the song lyrics to someone and even putting conditions on when they can be released as a violation or as IP in the same way that the state does intellectual property. In that sense, it's sort of an anti-concept because there's nothing illegitimate about a voluntary um, contract. So of course, many of these contracts like that the state, the state is illegitimate because they're enforcing IP and no one, we didn't consent. I didn't sign a contract that said, I'm not gonna download this music and I, you can't tell me what to do with my computer um, or my hard drives or whatever, that's bullshit. So, and things like this would be almost unenforceable. Many, many different voluntary terms of use contracts. For example, if I said, for example, uh, this is my secret apple pie recipe, Fred. I'm going to sell it to you. And Fred says, okay. And I say, don't tell anyone, Fred. And Fred says, okay, I promise I won't. And then Bob, five houses down, sometime down the road, comes up with the same recipe from his own mind, which thoughts would be qualitatively different, but it could be the same exact recipe. And I would say, Bob, that's my recipe, you son of a bitch, give it back to me. I start beating Bob in the head to try to <laughs> get my recipe back. That's bullshit. That's the statist uh, model of IP, and that's not what we're talking about. So I think it's really important to clarify, uh, to get definitions of property, of ownership, and of information. Um, Stefan Kinsella has said information is not an ownable thing. And um, it may be a semantic issue, but like I said, it's, uh, it seems to me to perhaps be at least the beginnings of a slippery slope to say I don't own the thoughts that are in my head. Um, they're scarce. There's only so many human beings on the planet. No one has the exact folds of gray matter that I have or the exact neurochemicals or the exact imaginative scape or vision that I have, everyone is by necessity different. You know, a bag of ice by a lake is, is a different, you know, product than a bag of ice in a desert. It's that kind of thing. It's all, there's context that comes into play. Um, I do, I do definitely, the initial post I made about Kinsella was unfair and I'll outright admit that here. Um, I posted it in a bit of ignorance and um, it was a bit, presumptive and judgmental of me and I would like to retract the initial idea that um, Stefan Kinsella is you know some sort of uh, you know he's really way 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 off because since then I've I've read a lot of his articles and um, I can't you know a lot of them are fantastic and I've learned a lot of stuff from his writings and from him so that's why I'm really looking forward to talking to him tonight and I hope he hasn't forgotten but that said, I still think there are some oversights um, when it comes to talking about things like this. Another issue is just saying that we own our body. And, you know, you can't own an action. Like I've heard, you know, a lot of people say you can't sell something unless it's property, unless you own it and it's your property. And I tend to agree with that. However, um, Kinsella and others have argued and quite convincingly at times, that you can sell, you can contract for a one-way, you know, transfer of money just on the, that a condition is met. You know, if it rains tomorrow, I'll pay you $5. You didn't sell me anything, uh, but we entered into contract. Or you paint my fence. All right, this is where a lot of the difference comes in. And uh, you guys feel free to comment in the comment section. Let me know what you think.
Um, but for example, if you paint my fence, I'll give you 20 bucks. Okay, some people would say the fence being painted, the guy is selling his labor. Kinsella would argue that he's selling the meeting of the condition of the fence being painted. I'm not sure there's a huge difference here, but if, as Stefan Kinsella says, I it's only body ownership and we can't get into more uh, metaphysical, metanormative type things like the mind and the spirit, um, just the, sorry, not the spirit, the mind, we won't go that far tonight. Well, then, if you just own your body and not your mind or your thoughts or your actions, what is there then to differentiate? And maybe there's a really easier answer to this that I'm just not thinking of between, say, a murder and, you know, where I use my body to stab someone and my body being thrown from a car wreck or a train and smashing into someone on accident as a freak accident and killing them um, because it's just my body, right? I own my body, and that was just my body that did that. But we all know that when we're talking about justice, this is absurd because those two scenarios are fucking night and day different, right? Someone had a motive to murder. That is wrong and unjust. If I'm thrown from a car, there's not much I can do to stop my body. So to say we don't own our actions um, seems to me to be a slippery slope. And to say I can't sell a thought seems to me just to be semantic twisting and, you know, if I sell my consultation service where someone pays for my opinion, you can say I'm selling a service, but that service without the ideas, without the information, which Kinsella says can't be owned and should not be owned, then what am I really selling? I'm selling meeting the condition of informing the person. See, at that at that at this point, it just sounds like um, you know, just weird uh, semantic type stuff. So. I've got a lot of links in the description already. Uh, first to the Anarchy Ball link, and then I want to quote uh, Mr. Kinsella a lot tonight um, because I think that's where we're going to arrive at the most illustrative examples of maybe where the confusion is happening or where the wires are getting crossed. I, I want to recommend a podcast. It's called, um, it's at the bottom of the description, Patterson in Pursuit. This guy uh, has an excellent podcast extremely level-headed, extremely cool, calm, collected, and, and, and really takes the guest through an, a merciless yet polite, um, you know, series of questions. And he had Kinsella on. You guys can check that out in the description. And, um, and I think I found in listening to that a problem, uh, and a big problem with some of Kinsella's definition. And if you... If you're watching that video, I know you can't probably watch two at once, but if you're afterwards or if you're a multitasking wizard, Kinsella says in that uh, pa uh, Patterson, I think it's Patterson in Pursuit podcast linked in the description, he says it at one hour and 10 seconds. I quote, when you say ownership, all that really means is property rights. When you say ownership, all that really means is property rights. Stefan Kinsella, end quote. So that's at an hour, 10 seconds on the Patterson in Pursuit podcast. He goes on to say, so he says ownership is just property rights. He goes on to say, um, talking about Crusoe on his desert island, 
and I'm going to tie this together. So this is at 59.48. He wants to possess and control resources, but he wants to do so in a peaceful and quiet way when other people arrive on the island. Returning to the quote, where he doesn't have conflict with his neighbors so that they can have trade and harmonious relationships instead of continually physically fighting each other. So if people feel the same way, if, if people feel the same way, they come together in society and they attempt to come up with property laws, property rights. So he's just said ownership is just property rights. And now he said that property rights are come up with by people. So in essence, people define ownership. And I disagree. I think ownership is a reality. Um, otherwise, there would be no need for a right. Uh, rights are secondary to the a priori truths of realities of what ownership is, right? Um, if I'm holding this notebook and I'm the only person in this house or e even in this, even all of Japan, I'm the only person here, someone coming into Japan doesn't make this my property because a society has emerged. This is my property because I had first use and it was already in a re I already had the proprietor's relationship with it that's why when someone else comes into the picture the necessity to develop a legal system that respects that reality a priori reality of property rights is necessary it's it's putting the cart before the horse as Kinsella puts it here saying that people determine property rights and if and if he's misspoke there or wants to correct that, I'd be glad to hear the correction of that. But I'll just walk you through it again. Again, on the Pursuing Patterson podcast, Kinsella says, when you say ownership, all that really means is property rights. That's at one hour, 10 seconds. On the same podcast, just before that, he said, so if other people in a civilization feel the same way, they come together in society and attempt to come up with property laws, property rights, end quote. That means that people come up with property rights, which he said equals ownership. So people come up with ownership. No, 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 no. That's a fucking disaster waiting to happen. And um, I'm really confused because what I've read of Kinsella's is super hardcore, bulletproof, full-on anarchist self-ownership type stuff but then he goes into this kind of legal twisting and turning sometimes and it and it opens up um it's not good i don't think so i i gotta give credit where credit is due i mean the dudes you know got all these accolades way more well read than me and and is brilliant um but you know that doesn't keep the little idiot um <laughs> the the stupid guy from the bottom of the hill you know seeing where uh, maybe there's a blind spot because yeah um you know if ownership is nothing more than property rights and property rights are nothing more than things developed by people or norms then that means ownership doesn't exist a priori and um Kinsella argues that you know exclusive use and ownership are different but if ownership doesn't exist a priori, there's no need for a right because the whole purpose of the right is to defend a truth that we already know and sense and is just. And um, this brings me back to something else that's even more confusing that 
that uh, Kinsella said, which is um, that basically all of libertarianism is <laughs> you. It ultimately comes down to just our sense of justice. Oh, okay, and uh, looks like uh, he is ready to come online now. So with that preface, um, I think that's a pretty good preface. Uh, Kinsella will now be joining us. It looks like in just a minute. He says yes. I'm there. Hold on. So we're going to hold on. And this is good news. Thanks for sticking with me, guys, in this um, bit of a long intro here. But this is fucking Voluntary Japan, man. The show must fucking go on. Uh, speaking of which, I just ran a marathon yesterday for the first time in my life. And it was sort of a similar feeling. <laughs> you, um, you just fucking go on. So live chat is open. Let us know your thoughts, your questions for Mr. Kinsella once he logs on here. I think it's going to be a great discussion. I think we got a bit of time. I think he said he has his morning free, so hopefully we can clear up some of these issues. Excuse me. And it uh, looks like I'm getting messaged again. He says, when are we starting? I'm on air now. Ed mentioned 9.30 your time. Anytime you can jump on now is fine. All right, so hope this Hello, is Hello, can you hear me now? Oh, yeah, I can hear you. But uh, hold on a second. Let me get you through my headphones really quick. Like my audio settings are off. Uh, what are we speaking? What are we doing today? Remind me the topic. <laughs> we are. I'm having some issues here. Just a minute. We're talking about um, IP and uh, whether or not you own the thoughts in your head. Hold on. Are we? What's, is, what's the name of your show? Uh, Voluntary Japan Live or VJ Live. And for some reason, I can't... Hold on a second. You're not coming out of my headphones. Oh, there we go. Hello, hello. <clears throat> yep, hello, test. All right, I just don't want to get any feedback in the mic. For some reason, my little... It's all kinds of technical difficulties today. Give me one second here. Why isn't this working? All right, output. Should totally be working. I don't know why I'm not hearing you through my headphones, but test, 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 test. Go to your settings, maybe. Yeah, I got my settings right. Maybe it's the YouTube <laughs> hangout settings. Let's see. I hear I hear you through mine, my headset. I yeah, my, USB, my my mic headset. is working, but for some reason this is coming out of my uh, <clears throat> computer speakers and not my headphones. Uh, is this a thing where other people can join in and ask Q&A? Yes, and I got the – actually, on the YouTube channel, there's a live chat. So I got an eye on that, and um, I figured we'd do that at the latter half if that's cool with you. Yeah. Depending you know, on so your – So when are we starting? In about 30 minutes? Yeah, we're, on, we're now. We're on the air now. <laughs> so I've already started. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, was, I was about to announce it on my uh... – Okay. Facebook. Well, you can you can go ahead and announce it if you want. It's kind of um, 
I'm going to try to figure that this really bothers. There's no feedback. Like, do you hear your own voice coming through my mic? No. Okay, that's good. Then it's probably fine. But, um, yeah, if you want to go ahead and announce it, I just did a little preface here about uh, what I thought we are going to be talking about. Basically, um, I've been watching and reading your stuff this week, and just wanted to clear up some misunderstandings and sure. just have a discussion. Yeah, so... So do you want to go ahead and make your announcement, or are you ready to rock and roll? I just hit it. All right, cool. Well, um, all right, well, for VJ Live viewers, we got uh, Stefan Kinsella here. And after a little bit of technical difficulties and a long introduction by me, uh, we're ready to go. So um, first let me say I'll give you a little introduction. Um, probably don't need an introduction in uh, libertarian circles, but uh, Stefan is an intellectual property lawyer former faculty member of the Mises Academy and founder of the Center for the Study of Innovative Freedom. So thanks so much for coming on today, Mr. Kinsella. I really appreciate your time. Sure. And um, this whole thing started, well, actually, I listened to you on a podcast about three years ago now, and um, that was when I was still I'm a relatively new anarchist, I guess, though I feel I've always been one most of my life. Uh, but I finally became a full-on anarchist about four years ago, and I heard you on a podcast talking about IP, which kind of turned me around against um, intellectual property, and it really got me excited. And a little bit after that, uh, we had a brief <coughs> Facebook exchange about 9-11, uh, where I'm pretty sure I was dismissed as a tinfoil hat guy. Um, but after that, I hadn't really uh, conversed with you at all until recently there was an Anarchy Ball thread, and I believe you commented, and um, you said on that thread, and I quote, ownership means the legally recognized right to control. And I can show the, I can show the actual quote here on the screen. And um, myself and other people, a lot of other people actually took issue with that. There it is. You and your favorite buddy, uh, Chris LaRue. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so um, it looks like we got one more person here. Is that who is that? Oh, you shared the actual. Okay. <laughs> oh, you shared the join link for the video chat. Okay. <laughs> All right. Mistake. Well, well, let's have a party. All right. That's okay. Should I, should I modify the post real quick? Uh, yeah, if you don't mind, um, they can ask yeah. in the YouTube live chat. How are they gonna? What's the link to that? Uh, let me send that to your Facebook. That's on my Facebook page. Okay, hold on a second. Well, I sent that link to you earlier today, so it should be in the chat. Okay. Um, above the first link I sent you. Above the last link I sent you. Okay, you can keep going. I'm, I'm listening. I, I know what I'm okay. doing here. So. Okay. So um, a lot of people kind of took issue with that, as in... Okay, does ownership mean then, in the absence of a framework or legal system, does ownership cease to exist? And the comment threads just exploded. Uh, it was a phenomenal conversation. I think it was like upwards of 600 comments on my page. And I had, I've already said to the viewers tonight, I had initially made some assumptions about your position, which I now realize <laughs> were incorrect or very uh, presumptuous. So I want to set that straight. Um, you sent me to a few of your articles, and I think 
we're pretty much on the same page. I have some questions for you. Maybe I can learn something. And I also have some points of contention, I guess, with some of the things I've heard you say in other podcasts about thoughts and ownership. But maybe if we could just start, can you tell me what you mean by, for example, ownership or right and property? Those three things I think it's important to probably agree on the definition. And then we can talk about whether or not thoughts can be ownable or things like that. So I, I start with human action, right? So which is what human actors engage in, whether or not there are other people around. And in, in human action, we, we act, but to act means to pursue a goal. And you pursue a goal by employing scarce means to achieve that goal. Uh, you could say that's your time, but it's usually, it's usually physical physically efficacious tools or things in the world right that help interfere with causality to change the future from what you think it would be to what you want it to be that's what acting is so basically we use our bodies our physical body to to move things around to interfere and then we <clears throat> we use our interaction with our bodies to uh, to interact with other external scarce resources in the world um, to as means as well. So we might use a, a tool like a, a club or a piece of wood to make a house, things like that. Okay, so that's just action. And you could call the the act of grasping or using or employing these external means, you could call that possession. You possess this means. And let's just think of them as objects to simplify, physical objects, let's say. Okay, would you say time is a means then? I think econ economists treat time as a scarce means because you only have so much of it. It is a limited resource, but I don't personally think that's very coherent in a legal sense to regard time as an actual object that can be owned or possessed. Okay. So okay. no, I don't. I wouldn't regard time as a as a means. Okay. I think sometimes these economists use concepts <clears throat> which are valid economically. But they're problematic if you regard them literally in, as true in a legal sense. For, for example, um, in an employment contract, okay, one person works and gets paid money for his services. So that's considered an exchange economically. I'm exchanging my labor for money. And that's fine to describe it economically that way because the, the laws of economics apply. And you can talk about supply and demand and that kind of stuff. But technically speaking, in a legal sense, there is not an exchange. There's a one-way transfer of property there. The money is being transferred, and it's transferred conditionally upon someone performing a certain action. The, the person owning their body has the ability to choose to perform the action or not to, and the other person who wants them to do it has to incentivize them to do it, so they offer to pay the money if they will act in a certain way. But it doesn't mean that they own their action. Action is just what you do with your body, which you do own. So this gets to the heart of why I try to be clear with these terms. Um, in any case, um, so <clears throat> you possess, you have possession of, right, or control of certain resources. Now, when other humans enter the picture, right, when they're in society, this gives the fundamental fact of this kind of scarcity or you call it rivalrousness of these of these means, these resources in the world, means that there can be conflict over who gets to use these resources. Two or more human actors could could both desire to control a given resource, including each other's bodies, right? 
uh, which, is, which would be slavery. Someone wants to own someone else's body, which would be a type of slavery or, or, or domination. Uh, and so these, this gives rise to disputes. People have disputes or disagreements, and uh, there can be physical clashing or conflict. Um, and therefore, uh, most humans tend to prefer to live in society and civilization among each other where we agree to have certain – resort to certain rules that, that specify which person is the one that has the right to control this resource um, <clears throat> when there's a dispute, and that's what property rules are. They're always necessarily property rules because we're talking about things – we're talking about these scarce resources that we can have a conflict over, and let's talk mostly about external objects, okay, not our bodies. Um, because the basic rule that we adopt in the case of the body is that there's there's basically presumptive self-ownership. Everyone is presumed to own their own body. And by the way, that's another possibly misleading term, self-ownership. To my mind, self-ownership only means body ownership. You're the owner of your body right. because the body is the scarce thing. But we use the word self uh, as shorthand, but if you technically start using it that way and say, I own myself. Myself includes all these bizarre philosophical attributes. You get into well, this also, weird – Also, who is, doing, who is doing the owning at that point? Like I got into some really hilarious <laughs> metaphysical conversations with people because I own myself, right? There's an I there too. Yes. I, I actually had a talk with Roderick Long who's a really uh, uh, extremely smart and deep philosopher and, and libertarian and – um, you know, he thinks there's no logical problem whatsoever with with the idea of self ownership. It's it's it, it's simply there's no circularity there. Let's say um, because the question is simply there's a human body there. It's identified with a given person, a legal person in our sense. So we we distinguish conceptually the person from the body, just like we distinguish behavior from action, right? Conceptually, um, the question is always. Well, that, that body is a scarce resource. There could be more than one people in the world who want to have the right – who want to control it, right? Either the person himself, like the driver of the body, you could say, or some, some other person. So the question is who gets to control that body, and the answer is that person himself. Uh, any other answer is slavery. So the people that start whining about the idea of self-ownership as being circular… I suppose their their solution to break this logical problem that they're having is to have slavery. I mean, it makes yeah. no sense whatsoever. And yeah, slavery well, makes slavery itself makes no sense logically, logically without without self ownership because the slave owner has to own himself at least. Right. So at some point you have to have an owner, just like a corporation has to at some point be owned by people. It can't just be free floating up there with no with no owners. Okay. Yeah. In any case, um, <clears throat> so. We call this – the rules that determine who owns a resource, those are property rules, and every legal system has them. They differ from society to society. Sure. Socialists want a different set of property rules than we do. What we libertarians sure. want is basically an extremely consistent um, and simple set of rules, which is basically what all societies have privately adopted to one degree or the other, which is self-ownership. For yourself, for your body, and for all other things, you determine who owns the thing by asking a couple questions. Number one, who started using it first? Okay, that's the homesteading principle. Number two, was it contractually assigned to anyone else? Okay. 
in, in which case he would have a better claim than the original homesteader because now he's gotten it by contract from that homesteader. Or number three, some kind of – you ask, was there some kind of a, a wrong done by the original owner like a tort or a crime against a victim giving rise to an obligation to make some kind of restitution or rectification, in which case the victim might have a claim to some of the guy's resources. Um, so those three rules, you can use those three rules to determine who owns any given resource. Right, in, in and, theory. and just to interject here real quick, when it comes to kids too, it's, it's more the direct link, right? It's, it's not – in that case, it wouldn't be first use. I think you said in one of your papers yes. something like that as well because otherwise we could justify you know, yeah. we own our kids like slaves. You know? Yes. So, yeah, if you notice the way I just that, formulated it, I said there's, there's – uh, so the rule for, for bodies is just self-ownership. Right, okay. And then for external resources, there's the homesteading, contract, and tort rules. Okay. And by the way, your body can also be subject to that third one, the tort rule, which is why I said you're the presumptive owner of your body. Um, you know, if you're during the commission of a robbery, in a sense, you're selling your body to the victim because you're giving them the right to sure. to shoot it. Sure. Okay. Sure. So, <clears throat> but I did not apply the homesteading rule or the contract rule to the body because I don't think you'd homestead your body in the same sense that you homestead other things and. I don't think you can sell your body into slavery like sure, you can yeah. transfer. I just want to throw that out there for people that yep. might be oh, you're new, right. to, new to voluntarism because that's one objection yep. that a lot of people make. So, yep. Yep. Go on, go on. Um, so we call these rules property rules, and, and we call the person that has the right to control this resource an owner. Now, technically speaking, I don't think you're – I don't think we need to get into this unless someone's interested. Technically speaking, I think to be very precise – Ownership of a resource is not the right to control it. It's just the right to prevent other people from controlling it. It's the right to exclude, but that basically means or has a consequence of giving you the right to control it in most cases. And the reason I say that is if, if you own a gun, you don't have the right to use it in general because one use of it could be infringing someone else's rights. Um, so you have the right to keep others from using it, and then you can do any action you want in life as long as it doesn't invade the property borders of someone else. And that would include the right to use that gun in, in peaceful ways or in in justified ways. Okay, <clears throat> and then we can call these ownership rights. We can call the person who has this right the owner, and what that means. Another way to express that is to say um, he has a property right in those resources. Now, some people over time start using the word property to refer not to the property right that a human has over an object. And this is a relational right, by the way. It's a social relational right as, as between people. right? It, it's not a relation to the object. It's a relation between you and me. My property right is between me and you, but it pertain it has a certain object that uh, it pertains to, and that is the object that is owned. So people sometimes start saying, "Well, that that basketball is my property." Technically, you'd say I have a property right in that basketball. I'm the owner of that basketball. But people start over time using the word property in both senses, like to say that ball is my property. Um, and in a way, it makes it's natural to do that because if you think about the way we employ scarce means to interact with the world, they do become an extension of our will. They sort of become a part of ourselves. I mean, if you wear clothes all the time, you view the clothes as sort of part of your identity. It's a characteristic of your identity. It's a, a property of yourself. So it's 
it's natural to fall into that use, but it can lead to equivocation in some cases. So, for example, you have uh, people like LaRue and these other people. They start – they turn the IP question into our idea's property. Now, if you right. just use the word characteristic, let's say a, a feature of a person, a characteristic right. of a, a person. person's properties, right? Yeah, would you say our idea's characteristic? That wouldn't even make any sense. The right question is not whether ideas are a property. The question is can there be property rights in ideas? And then the question becomes clear. Property rights just are – the normative rules in society that determine the ownership of of what? Of the things that people could have a dispute over. That is rivalrous resources. And rivalrous resources are the only things that can be owned. You you literally cannot own ideas, and I can explain why. It's not that I'm morally opposed to a law um, allowing you to own ideas. It's impossible to own ideas. The current law we have, the copyright law and the patent law, do not actually give ownership of ideas. What they give is ownership of other people's money, okay? And, the, and they use the excuse of IP to do that. So it's sure. just a theft of resources. So for example, if you say that I own the, uh, the movie Star Wars, what this really means is that the owner of the copyright to Star Wars can go to court, present this, this, this claim… And have a government use physical force. And again, remember, everything is about phys physical force. This is how we interfere, interfere with the world. That's a real thing. But physical force it can only be used against physical things. So it, the physical force of the government's courts and goons is used to seize money from my bank account to punish me for performing an action they didn't like, right? which was copying some pattern of information on right. the bootleg right. thing. Right. So it's all, about, it's all about property, re real property resources. Yeah, and I'm I'm in total agreement with you about yeah. the the statist, you know, intellectual property thing. Um, that's not even to mention the reverse slavery of it. You know, you can't use your property to uh, do A, B, or C, or we're going to come get you and put you in a cage, right? You can't use your computer to download this movie. It's like basically, basically making people into slaves. I think what what I really wanted to address, and I think what what Chris Larue wants to address too. Um, I want to get into the deeper like ownership of thoughts and stuff, and I, I suspect a lot of it might be linguistic, after, especially after reading a lot of what you've written. But there's a lot of people out there that I think are even having a knee-jerk reaction and seeing even voluntary terms of use contracts and, and like freaking out and calling it um, IP. I mean, yep. I know I've experienced that a little bit, and I give the example of if I said, hey, well, I have these great song lyrics in my head, and um, I'm going to sell them to you, and you say, yeah, I want to buy them. Please tell me the lyrics. I say, okay, but if I sell them to you, I don't want you to release them in a song until yep. X date. And you say, yep. sure, that's fine. Sign on the yep. dotted line. Yep. And we do that, and that's a voluntary contract. Yep. That's totally different in nature from the statist, you know, version of ip right like that's legitimate it's, it's, isn't it? it's different from any version of ip it has literally nothing to do with ip right uh, it's just a voluntary terms of use contract i mean you would agree there right yes and that contract right. would be enforceable but only in a certain way um this is why it's important uh, the the view of of property rights and that i just laid out is compatible with um the rothbardian Title transfer theory of contract way of looking at what contracts are, which I just yeah. had a lecture on um, in in Turkey. So it's like 
two two episodes back on my podcast feed, which I'll which people can look at if they want to go into that. But a contract is simply you remember we, I said earlier that there are three rules for determining who owns a resource, and one of them is contract. That's what contracts are. Contracts are just transfers of ownership of one owned thing from one owner to someone else. That's all contract is. It's not some kind of binding obligation or binding promise, which is the conventional view of contract. Okay, um, You can think of it as a promise someone's making, and then we use the mechanism of contract to, to enforce it basically or to make it have some teeth. Otherwise, it's just a bare promise, and then that's just a moral issue as between people or a reputation issue. It has nothing to do with law. Um, so for example, in the case you gave, what's going on here is <clears throat> you don't own this information in your head because information is not the type of thing that can be owned. It's not a scarce resource over which there can be dispute. It is the case that you own your brain, and your brain has some information in it, and because you own your body and have the, the right to control your body, you have the physical ability to keep that information secret or to release it. And if you release it, you can release it to someone conditionally under a contract or unconditionally, in which case it becomes public, totally public right, and public right, that domain. Make, that makes perfect sense to me. I just don't understand um, why if – for example, you say that – and, and I'm, again, this is just a discussion, right? We're not – I honestly have some problems with if I own my brain and I own the yeah. information and the neurochemical, whatever, the imaginative – landscape that's in there is part of my brain. I understand how it could be dangerous to say I own it if I'm going to construe that as to mean once those thoughts are out there and someone yep. else has their own conception, then I can go beat them bloody to say, hey, that's yep. my and, thought. And that's the only, that's the only reason but, I'm being a stickler about that because right, I see right. the and danger I, of equivocation and I totally, here. I totally appreciate that, <laughs> I, and I understand that. My my thinking is is being erring on the side of caution in that seems like it it just seems, first of all, it just seems wrong to me that I don't own my thoughts as when you say it's double counting, to double count, like you have to count the same thing twice. That's what double counting is. Yep. yep. So if I'm saying I'm double counting my body and my mind, that means my mind is part and parcel of my body, the same thing. But then if I own my body, oh, then no. by yeah. default would mean I own my mind. Well, let, let, me, let me put it down. Yeah, let me try to explain. Um, I, in in terms of casual conversation and um, um, sort of descriptions, people trying to understand what's going on, uh, and maybe having an economic view of things, there's nothing wrong with saying, "Yeah, I own my thoughts," because ownership is really the right to control something. And if it's in my head, that gives me the right to control it. You could say, right? Right, right, right. That's exactly but, what I'm getting but, at. But information itself, as a purely abstract thing is simply not something that is ownable technically because it's not a scarce resource. I, I think the problem here may be a conceptual one. Um, and that's, that's Sorry, one more thing. I, yeah. I don't see how it's not scarce. If human beings are scarce, everybody's brain is even physically yeah. different. But, but Yeah, because you're, you're thinking so – you're, you're conflating the brain with the mind. Are no, but conflating? even everyone's, everyone's mind is different, right? Like what is the mind? So how can we, how can we say that that's not – Scarce, like when you have like you know the Einstein yeah. Teslas and, part, and stuff. part of this may be semantic, and maybe we don't disagree as much as we. Uh, no, think I, I really don't think we disagree. And that I don't, much. Just, I don't necessarily just mean me and you. I mean, I mean the people that have problems yeah. with the way I'm putting things. Here's yeah, the problem. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I distinguish conceptually between things. Uh, 
but without being a mystic about it. So a lot of times you'll have someone um, – they think I'm making an argument that I'm not because they're used to other people doing that. So if I say self-ownership uh, is possible, they, they might think I believe in a soul because it's implied in that sort of normal way of looking at it, but I don't. Um, if I distinguish the person from the body… That's just a conceptual distinction, and the reason I do that is um, it, it doesn't mean there's some spooky realm. It just means the way our concepts work. I'm kind of a, a Randian, and I, I believe there's a certain role for concepts. Concepts identify different features about reality. Um, yeah. The word mind and the word brain are not the same word. They refer to different things. The word brain refers to a physical object, a physiological physical object inside your body. It yeah. has a weight. It has a location. It has an age, right? Sure. A dead body has a brain, but it doesn't have a mind, right? Yeah. So you you could say that the mind is um, uh, some process running on the brain, an epiphenomena of the brain, but conceptually they're they're just distinct things. The 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 chemical patterns in your brain, well, not the patterns themselves, but the actual neurons that the neuronal connections that the yeah. the, the weightings between the synapses, which is basically the current snapshot of its of its state, which includes information, okay, yeah, right. like your memories, it, your right. memories, your reasoning ability, that is something you do own, and your brain is distinct from everyone else. And your brain, at any point in time, does correspond or map to any number of informational things like ideas. Yeah, sure. But those things themselves as ideas are not ownable because they're not physical things. So I don't identify the mind with the brain because they're not the same concept. If you want to think of it that way, that's fine. I mean I'm more of a dualist in the Bazesian sense in the way I use some of these concepts. Okay, So it's just like I distinguish uh, possess possession, which is a factual control matter. Right, the the ability yeah. of someone to to use a resource with the right, which is a different concept. That's not a factual matter. That's a normative intrasocial matter. Okay, so property rights and things are not the same thing as, as possession of things, which is another um, thing that yeah, a I, lot of people I've argue with and confuse. There's so much to talk about here, and and I just finished a podcast. Uh, what was it called? Patterson in Pursuit or something? It was yes, really excellent, man, and it just blew my mind. And actually, I wanted to. Change the topic to argumentation ethics tonight for a second because um, it's well, pretty before we do that, before we do that, no, in case I, don't don't wanna, come... I don't want to change oh, it, but okay. I mean, it was just so okay. fascinating. But it reminded me. Um, uh, now I've lost my train of thought. But oh, you uh, know, he and I, he and I did a podcast on argumentation ethics. Stay yeah, on. yeah, I, I listened to the whole thing. It was okay. it was great. But uh, talking about what were we just talking about ownership. Anyway, go on. Sorry, I I'll, I'll remember. Well, the, yeah. Ownership of thoughts. I wanted to make this point. You, you remember earlier I gave the, the example of, uh, of an employment contract, how in economics it's spoken of as an exchange, and that gets people thinking, well, there's two things being traded here. Two uh, things, yeah, yeah, yeah. Traded, each one has to be owned. Right. So they go from the economic description to a legal description, and then they start saying things like, well, if you're selling your labor, then you must own it. Sure. And therefore, then you get the labor theory of, of of value almost, or the labor theory of property. You almost get Marxism, right? And then you get the IP idea comes out of that that just simple mistaken description of what's going on. It's not an exchange legally; it's a one-way transfer of property. And likewise, um, in in the case of <clears throat> selling your ideas, which you just said, right? Okay, well, let me stop you there with the condition being met because I had a good question about okay. that. 
and okay. and not these some of these are not even my questions but a lot of mm -hmm. people uh, knew I was going to be talking to you so like in the case of you would say then and not in an economic sense but in a legal sense we don't own our actions is that correct correct okay so in this condition like in this situation where let's say I go out and stab someone to death right that's yes. murder um, yes well, and let's say, though, I'm riding on a train and the train derails and somehow I'm thrown from the train and my body strikes a bystander. Yes. And, and kills him. In that case, what's the differentiation then? Because in both well, cases, it was just okay. my... No, I, I know yeah. I know. it yeah. seems like on the surface a stupid, que uh, silly no. question, but... It's not stupid, but it's this is getting really far afield, but... Um, okay, well, and I've I talked mean, about this. Seriously, if you don't own your actions, I mean... What's it's just two bodies causing another body to die? At well, that I, I, I think you may be using the word own your actions in the sense that some people do when they try to explain why you're responsible. So, to oh, my sense, something, <laughs> own, yeah, so, so you're using the word ownership totally differently, well, but um, still, how would you, how would you, you know, differentiate? No, I no, mean, so, it's easy yeah, to but, differentiate such a case, but without saying you own your mind. Because no, no, the no. mind is what determines murder in that case, is it not? Well, you are your, in a sense, you are your mind. Uh, you know, your mind okay. is is a is a characteristic feature of your personality, your personhood, right? And it's it's it's. I think of it as a computer program running on a substrate. You know, the substrate is the computer, your brain, the hardware, but you are the process running on it. But that's that's a sort of a metaphysical view that you don't have to share. This is just you just have to have clean concepts. Um, I did write a long article a while back with Patrick Tinsley. It's on my website. It's called Causation and Responsibility, where I, I go into the way I think that Austrians and libertarians have to have to view um, uh, responsibility for actions. And then it depends upon what who's the cause of the harm that's being done, or more specifically, who's the cause of the invasion of the borders of another person's property. And the the law itself, this the common the, the common law and the the, the private law that's developed over the centuries, I think gets has has dealt with these issues, and I think does it roughly right. Um, basically, uh, it's a question of intent, right? And right. it's a question of it's causation. So, right, if I, I if I stab someone, then I am the cause of that knife entering their body and doing damage because right, I if, if I voluntarily I. I I, I I acted in the action framework. I I had a goal, which was to hurt you. I employed sure. a means, which was the knife and my sure. hand, calculated to do it, and I took action to actually do that. With so I intended it. It was purposive. I had a goal in mind. I employed a means to do it. But That's all classic. that is dependent on recognizing the mind as yours, is it not? Because the mind has the motive. Yes. Well, no. It depends on what you mean by yours. It, it's it's it's. I mean, how, it's dependent how, upon, are we, are we well, defining ownership as a strictly a legal got, term? What I, but what I just said has nothing to do with ownership. It just identifies you as the human actor that committed – that invaded someone else's borders. Yeah, and you're a human actor with a mind, but it doesn't matter if I own the knife, for example. My ownership of the knife is irrelevant. I could have stolen the knife. I'm still responsible for what I did with my actions and the means at, at hand. Right, I don't I, think I, and I'm not, and I'm not trying to be argumentative for the sake of of yeah. <laughs> trying to win an argument here. I really think it's important yeah. because I think this is where a lot of people, including myself, I think where the wires get crossed. Because to me, it sounds like you know, what I'm hearing is if you if you murder someone, 
the way we differentiate that, which is really easy, which is why we laugh at the stupid scenario, it's, is, okay, in the one case where you're thrown from a car or vehicle and smash into someone, that's not your fault. You know, you didn't, it, yeah, there, was it, no, there was no intent. No, it's not but just that. It, it wasn't an action. You're somehow, you're, you're, you even said your mind. Is that just a linguistic thing then? And we're, yeah, and we're I, I think it's a way of identifying. It's a way of identifying, yeah. uh, identifying the mind, but it's not really the possessive. Look, possessive. I might say my wife. It doesn't mean I own her. Okay, we use possessives right. sure. all the time. Sure, sure, sure. To identify which wife we're talking about. It's my wife, not yours. Okay, it's it's these are complex, uh, complex, ter uh, words and terms. We have to. That's what language is about. Understanding these complex words. But my look, my point is this: the 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 guy thrown from the train was not act. That wasn't an action on his part. He was that sure, was more sure. behavior. Totally wasn't even behavior. So so that's why he's not responsible. It's because he didn't perform an action, because he did not. Right, he but just, he he owns his body, right? So his his body was the one that struck and killed the other person. Yeah, his body was, but it was it simply wasn't an action. This the law wouldn't attribute any liability whatsoever. Okay, okay. I'm just trying to differentiate. And this is why, by the way, a lot of libertarians who believe in strict liability, without really knowing what they mean, because that's a very complicated term in the law, they would get confused on this issue because they don't know what to do with this case of the guy. Because they, oh, well, strict liability, which means what? I guess some black and white uh, zero strikes and you're out standard. But but to go back to I think so in, the, okay. So let me try to clarify here. So you're saying that intent definitely factors in, but intent uh, factors in in the sense that this person intended to violate someone's property. The would action. The action. I would say this: the action that that invaded the borders of someone else's property rights was voluntary, and and was caused by some other actor. That's why they're responsible. It's because they they caused it. It's got okay. nothing to do – you don't need to say you, you own your actions. Right. I'm just trying to think of any example where that could be flipped around um, to be used against us, for example. Um, I know we talked a little bit, and it's another – maybe far-fetched now, but, for example, mind reading, this sort of thing. Uh, there's already a bunch of radio waves and, and all kinds of different waves in our home. What if in the future, for example, there's ways that the state or whoever else can read your mm -hmm. thoughts? In that case, hypothetically, what, what would you do then if it was just yeah. body ownership? Okay, well. And, and no one's invading, no one's really violating your, and I know these are hypotheticals, but I think no, these no, no. hypotheticals I, are important sometimes. Are I'll go there. Important. I'll go there, but I usually have to detour a little bit to be sure. careful with these kind of things. Sure, First sure. of all, I, I think that there is a there is um, I won't say a danger, but you have to be careful when answering um, uh, when doing armchair armchair philosophizing, right? Which is kind of what we're doing. Uh, and sure. the, the reason the reason the common law and the Roman law before it were a decentralized system that that developed over time, very uh, uh, useful bodies of law. Is because they actually answered real disputes in real cases, where there was a there was a dispute, there was a body of precedent and tradition, and but there's there's a real situation at hand where when we're trying to figure out what the just thing to do here, who's going to get the property, who's responsible, we can ask any number of questions until we're satisfied. So we don't know what questions we're going to end up asking. We can ask witnesses. We can we can we can fill in the blank about what the local customs were, etc. When you when you just posit a hypothetical, 
it's really hard to fill in all the context that you would need to really answer the question. Okay, so you have to say a lot of it depends, it depends, it depends. Or you say, well, I'm assuming A, B, and C are the background. So in your case, for example, this mind reading case, um, <clears throat> well, first of all, the state's a criminal organization. So the state has a right to do nothing. Okay, right. Even if they could passively read your mind, they don't have the right to do that because they have no right to do anything except commit suicide. <laughs> but let's let's assume it's not the state because that's an easy one then. Let's assume it's it's a corporation, right, or your neighbor, okay. your nosy neighbor. Yeah. Um, now, my so my gut reaction is um, uh, this is analogous to uh, someone who lives close by and they leave their windows open when they when they when they walk naked in their house, right? If or if you or if you walk naked down the street, okay, if you. If you don't take the right precautions, you're making it easy for someone to non-invasively take a photograph of you naked, right? Sure. Close, close your curtains if you don't want that. Um, but you couldn't say that your rights were violated when someone observed you, okay? Because observing someone is not invasive. It doesn't – I agree. Use, I agree with okay. that. Now, so the question is this mind-reading technique you're imagining, the question is whether it would be invasive or not. If it if it, if it if it is done by some technical means and we don't know what it is because this is all hypothetical, right? And you know, science science fiction that's not fully specified basically is fantasy, right? It's really about magic. Um, so if right, there's but, some, you know, it, it could be possible at some point, you know. If there is some way that the you know you, some, your neighbor could have a detector that uh, uh, there, there's random little neutrinos passing non non harmfully through your head right now, and they could pick up. Those neutrinos on their property with a neutrino detector and use an AI computer to to yes. to figure out what your thoughts were. I would say that doesn't violate your rights. Now, if they shoot if they shoot some kind of beam into your body to stimulate your neurons so they can get a reading, sort of like when you go into a CAT scan, I'd say that's arguably trespass because they're using your body. Then they're affecting its physical integrity without right. your permission. Okay, so let, it, me, let me so let me let me. So it depends upon the means. Yeah, yeah, and I appreciate that. Let me interject though with the neutrino example. For example, if if they do that and it's you know non-invasive, but you know all you know that effectively demolishes privacy, does it not? And and on top yes. of that, it, they yes. could they could have access to all of your passwords and everything. I know we're speaking yes. hypothetical, but yes. at that point, if we're saying we don't own thoughts. What what basis would we have to say? I well, I don't, don't think do all that. of our passwords have to be in our in our brains. No, I don't either. But I mean, at that point, what basis <laughs> would we have? You know, like uh, there, there, I think there would be no basis for privacy. That's that's fucking scary. That's man. got nothing to do with libertarianism or the law. This about technology. I mean, if we develop technology to some at some point point in the future where everyone has got this electronic stuff built into their heads and we basically have telepathy with everyone else now right telepathy is that the right word yeah That's we can good. all basically yeah. read each other's minds at any point in time then there would be privacy would, would change it would be different but okay i appreciate that answer that but that's not the fault of libertarianism <laughs> i mean no 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 i'm not no legal system is going to stop that yeah yeah all right well i Neutrino blasters aside, um, there was a few more more points I wanted to hit on. Um, yeah, speaking of that, Patterson, 
Patterson in Pursuit, that, that podcast I watched, there was a couple quotes, and it goes back to the original screenshot I shared about um, ownership is a legally recognized right. And we talked privately, and I believe you you gave me an example. I have another screenshot of that, too, where you said, um, and of course, I know screenshots are screenshots, and I'm not holding you to that like it's the Ten Commandments, but uh, carved in stone. But you you did say that, you know, even in the absence of a legal system, yes. if A murders B, you would still say that B's property rights have yes. been violated. Yeah, so so my original formulation maybe is slightly imprecise because uh, in, in, the, in the extreme case, in the limit, you might say it's not – you don't have to use the word legal. I, I threw that in there as sort of a redundancy to kind of emphasize that we're talking about what typically uh, – is embodied in a legal system. That's what the legal system of a society, even a free, even a free society, a private law society, Hans Hermann Hoppe calls it. The legal system is the body of laws, but but laws are just the rules. Basically, laws are property rights. That's what you can think of laws as. Laws are property rights, and for them to have any real effect in a society, they need to be institutionalized and widely accepted. Okay, so that your property rights are actually enforceable as a practical yeah. matter. But at the edge, at the limit, it is possible to violate someone's rights, and when you do that, the legal system failed, uh, or you could have a situation, as I said, where there's no widely right. distributed legal system, and yet yeah, you would still say even if there's just two guys on an island together, um, <clears throat> one of them could violate the other's property rights and commit yeah. murder. So, so the property right is – but it's, I'm, I'm trying to distinguish it from possession, which I think LaRue doesn't do. I'm just trying to say there's a right to – that's why I put I put in the original thing you quoted. I had, I had emphasis around the word right. Right. It yeah. wasn't on the word legal. It was, it's it's the it right. was a legally recognized. I think I think recognized also threw some people off. Just redundant with legal. I mean, recognized means it's widely recognized in society. That's when it right, becomes right. a law, a legal system. If it's not sure. widely recognized, it's not going to have much effect. But I would say yes, you still have a property right. Yeah, I wasn't trying to be a positivist, a legal positivist in the sense of saying you have to have. A legal system to have property rights, or I certainly didn't mean that you have to have a, a state government uh, issuing right. statutes and laws right. for there to be yeah. property rights. You could take out legally recognized. That's an extra feature, okay, in a more advanced society. Just like uh, we have money in a catalactic society, but theoretically speaking, you might just have barter in a primitive society. But usually we have money, so we consider money in the economic analysis because we assume it's going to be there. Um, I'm assuming these property rights are going by and large to be enforced in some legal system, okay, which is recognized. That's all I meant there. But yeah, technically speaking, if you want to shrink it down, property rights, they're the right to control the resource, but it's not the actual control of the resource. This is the – and that's one distinction I think Chris LaRue and others uh, seem to uh, – to mix up, they will they will conflate possession with ownership. If you conflate possession with ownership, then then there is no ownership. There's only possession, which means we're at a, we're back to a might makes right world. There are no rules about who gets to use a resource. There's just whoever happens to be strong enough to take it from someone. So that's the reason I emphasize the distinction between a property right and the control of a resource. And right. again, if you don't make that distinction, then you're sitting there thinking, well, ownership just means control of a resource, and I can control my thoughts. Therefore, I own I own my thoughts, and therefore intellectual property is valid because if I own my thoughts, I can sell them. But if I'm selling them, I must own them. So I still own yeah. them when I sell them. And, you know that you get to that line of thinking. Right, right. 
And that makes sense. And I think what's funny is I think both you and LaRue are seeing, <laughs> you probably agree, but you're looking at this from like a, I don't know, a different vantage or something. I, I think we, we might, you might say we agree so far if he was pressed kicking and screaming to accept my attempt to clarify the terms, but he still wants to say that, that I think he's one of the ones I confuse some of these critics, but some of these guys, they'll say Kinsella denies freedom of contract because they think that if we have a contract, like the contract you said earlier, like uh, you're, you're giving me an early sneak peek at this song, but I have to agree not to share it with anyone until you, you make it public, right? Right. They, they, they say, well, that's a type of intellectual property, and Kinsella is against intellectual property, so he must be against the ability to have a contract. But well, the mistake, you've already you've already clarified that. But the mistake there is they're calling that contract intellectual property because they think that's similar to copyright and patent law, but it's not. Okay, yeah, that's that's something that I've been wondering too because, it, it yeah, I I hear you there. Um, we do have uh, Brent and Cap in the in the chat's been making a lot of comments. He said, "Are you going to take questions today?" So I I better stop. Uh, I, I can take some questions. I'm yeah, fine with that. And I, I really have one more thing I want to get to after this, if you have a little bit more time, uh, regarding just that uh, property and ownership and the whole uh, Crusoe scenario on the desert island. Uh, but Brent says, uh, ownership is only necessary in a social context. As Hoppe would say, Crusoe alone on his island would have no need for property rights, uh, no one there to have conflict with. Yep, that's correct. That's it, yeah. So, and, and thanks, Brent, for... For waiting, uh, unrelated questions. Why did Kinsella, <laughs> why did Kinsella promote fascism by taking a photo with Hoppe while he held a plastic helicopter? <laughs> Wait, one, I actually one, would one, like to hear an answer to that question too. Yeah, sure. One, one point. Uh, uh, Ayn Rand, by the way, had a similar view. Um, almost all serious libertarian thinkers say the same thing. You know, Ryan, Ayn Rand said rights are. I forgot the definition. If you look up her essay, "Man's Rights." Rights are, uh, you know, it's, it's always in a social context. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense without other people. Okay. It's, yeah. I, it's I about interject? settling disputes. Yeah, go ahead. And I think this is the voice probably of a lot of your critics too. Um, <laughs> you, you've laid to rest now, which I think was a huge saying that, okay, if there's only A and B and A murders B, there's still a violation there. So we've cleared that up. Um, I'm thinking like on the desert island scenario, uh, let's say I have a rock and I make a little stone god out of it or whatever. I make a tool out of it. Um, and you you would say then that that is not my property until another being shows up on that island. Is that correct? Yeah, I'd say you don't have a property right in it because, again, pro property rights are relations between people, not really between people and objects. Okay. So there's so no other person to have a relationship with. But that right, um, and I think you've already addressed this in that podcast, but where does that, what does that right uh, seek to defend or protect? Isn't there some a priori justice or, you know, because if it's just me and it's my little tool, it can be said that it's not my property, but the reason that it's mine when someone else does show up is because of a reality of ownership, is it not? Yes. It's because you have a better claim to it. You, you know. The, the right, only so that's, so that's what that the, right serves to protect. And when, I think, there, when other people when other people arrive, okay, uh, presuming most of them want to seek uh, reasonable solutions to these disputes, the only rules that are practically workable are the natural rules. This is what libertarians believe. The only right. rules are homesteading, contract, and rectification for a tort. Those are the rules we have to look at to to make a decision about who owns the thing. And someone previously using that rock. 
has a better claim to the rock because of the homesteading principle. They've, they've been using it. So there's a basis in factual reality, right, in the empirical contingent facts that actually happen, the historical facts there, which you would apply to determine the normative question, who owns the rock? I don't see any logical problem whatsoever. Right, and I think, like you said, maybe a lot of people are um, kind of misconstruing what's being said here. Okay, so. on the helicopter, uh, well, I mean, I, I, reject, I reject the premise because I don't think I was promoting fascism, so I guess I w that's the only answer. Now, uh, contextually, I can explain. Um, I, I believe what happened is uh, there's a lot of these wacky, funny Hoppa memes out there, some by his enemies, some by his, by his fans. I don't know. Um, I believe there developed a meme at one point, um, kind of uh, kind of joking about his physical removal idea, which is another meme. Where basically, the idea is that uh, in in a private law society, we wouldn't want to have any commies living with us. Okay, so they'd be physically right, removed. Right. So basically, it means not liking commies. And someone at some point started putting his face on a helicopter. I guess that was a reference to, I don't know, Pinochet or Duterte or someone dropping their Pinochet, enemies out of a helicopter. Yeah. So there is a meme out there, which I didn't create and Hans didn't create, about Hans uh, physically removing people with a helicopter. And so Michael Malice, as a joke, at the Mises event a couple days ago, walked up to Hans at a, at a cocktail party and gave him a toy helicopter, and Hans started laughing You know, because not everyone is a, is a uh, humorless… Leftist serioso drone, and some we actually think some things are funny. It doesn't mean we think uh, communism or fascism is funny, but the meme about the helicopter <laughs> is funny. Uh, and so I heard about it, and I simply asked Hans, "Let me see the helicopter." And it was in his pocket. He pulled it out, and we took a picture of it. So I don't know how taking a picture of someone making a joke about a meme with a toy helicopter is is endorsing fascism. Um, I guess I would respectfully disagree. If you think that's endorsing fascism, then then block me. Anyone who thinks that, I, because you know, then I'm a fascist. <laughs> yeah, I, that's a, that's a that's a topic for a whole other show. Not not the toy helicopter, um, but that whole idea of the libertarian society and um, disassociation and the way that was worded in in the God that failed. But anyway, uh, yeah, I wanna, yeah, I, I think I think it was awkwardly worded, to be honest. Because um, if you take it linguistically, the logical conclusion is libertarians must disassociate from yeah. the rude, <laughs> rude people. I think like, that's uh, partly Han, – yeah. Hans has a Germanic – first of all, he's not a native English speaker, so sometimes – Right, right. But you know, you know what's dangerous about that, though? And, and I'm not blaming Hoppe at all, but his, his hyperzealots that, that emphatically go around saying we're Hoppians now have taken it to mean that, and there's armies of them on the internet. I, I think there's, 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 there's something to that. Uh, Hans himself had an interview or something later, and he, he tried to clarify, and he, he said, look, I was talking about a private covenant community, basically like a homeowners association or just sure, the traditions yeah. and rules, and he said it was – in the context, that's clearly what I meant. And so I think he's trying to say, listen, I'm just, I'm just talking about the tendency people would have. See, he also has this Germanic style of writing where he, he says something as an idealized extreme case, but he sure. really means a tendency. So when he said must, sure. you know, when he says everyone, when he said advocates of communism, I think his, his, his idea there was that um, um, we all – he thinks that the, the, the healthiest and the most productive 
voluntary form of social organization would be something based upon the family unit as traditionally sure, yeah. recognized yeah, in the I'm West. That, yeah. and, and that's largely heterosexual because people having children, but it, it doesn't mean everyone is exactly the ideal type, so to speak. <laughs> you might have homosexuals. You might have people that are eternal bachelors. You might have a priest who never gets married. But even those people are living in a society where the traditional norm is certain thing. You know, a priest, for example, doesn't bash the institution of marriage. He doesn't oppose the typical sure. yeah. unit. He he he's parasitical of it in a sense, right? He's he's dependent upon it for support. And so I think Hans was simply saying people ought to be in favor of this, and the people that are hostile to it, like Kakami, right? Someone arguing for the institutional respect for socialized rights right for the institutional undermining of property rights would be viewed as a that danger. would be a violent that would be a violent person at a certain point they could be so i think he's simply saying that but anyway that that's that's yeah, his word yeah, not there's, mine yeah there's a and i think it's reflective of our conversation tonight even or or this morning for you that the uh, thing is kind of getting lost in the words um, Sometimes yeah, that's exactly there's a, right. There's a whole, there's a whole hyperzealot army out there, and and they're nuts. And I can't tell you how many times I've been called degenerate by them. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, but to to close out, you said something really interesting um, on a on that on the podcast I just listened to. You said I think rights uh, are ultimately a way of thinking about what's justified. Yes. And um, for me, that that pretty much I I can't disagree with that at all i totally agree with that um the host of the show was was really grilling you quite well and asking in a very polite respectful way um a lot of really tough questions about well what about this scenario what about this scenario and um you went through this kind of this logical sequence uh, for there to be argumentation there has to be human life for there to be human life uh humans have to employ scarce means in the world for them to employ scarce means Someone has to be the first user of a resource. For someone to be the first user, he has to be free to take it and use it. Uh, for there to be ownership, the latecomer principle uh, has to apply, which means the person that first used a resource has a better claim. Anyway, basically building up, ultimately yeah. what it comes down to for me, and I think all anarchists who have really thought it through is, you know, if you want people to flourish, um, if you want a minimally violent society, going back yes. to like Mises, yes. It, 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 if you hold that flourishing and, and as yes. a value, it is objectively true that you must abide by these yes. norms, right? Or, or so, as, uh, yeah, Randy Barnett, by the way, in the introduction to his book, The Structure of Liberty, uh, which unfortunately is not online, <laughs> but he talks about uh, kind of a type of consequentialism as opposed to utilitarianism, and he says, look, if you take if you take the and Mises, this is what Mises talked about. You know, if people want to get along, then the laws of economics tell us the type of rules we should have. And Barnett calls it, you know, people that are favoring. Um, if you want peace and prosperity, just you know, and cooperation among people, if that's your basic values, I sometimes call them grund grund norms or basic yeah. norms. But yeah, if you want those things, then we need some property rules to settle disputes and the property rules have to be based on something workable and 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 viewable as just and fair by everyone otherwise they wouldn't be regarded anyway and that can only sure. be the the so-called natural rules that sure. Rothbard talks about and that Hoppe talks about and that classical liberalism basically embodied sure agree 100%
Oh, do you have time for one more question, Stephanie? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, Brent Ancap says uh, Mises's position on I. Or sorry, how did Hoppe first react to your IP position? Uh, Mises's position on IP was more or less neutral, right? Uh, I started writing on this about 1995. Okay, when I was a, a brand new patent lawyer. Um, and uh, by the, so around uh, around two or three years later, I developed a full-blown explicit argument, which Hans immediately adopted and liked and published in the JLS. And then they – I think it was hardly his urging. They gave me the first Alfred Prize at the Mises Institute for that article. So he was totally in favor of it. He instantly was won over. But what's interesting is I found later that in 1988, okay, when I was just still a law student, hadn't even thought about IP much. There was a panel discussion. Uh, it's it's on it's it's online, um, and on the panel was Hoppe, and Rothbard, and I think David Gordon, and maybe one other person. And in the Q and A period, someone asked Hans about um, ownership of ideas. Okay, and because Hoppe has such a a clear conceptual breakdown of property rights, and because Hans. Focus so much on this scarcity issue. Okay, in his book, the, a theory of socialism and capitalism. Just read chapters one and two; they're very short. Because he already had such a precise and clear vision of, of the the nature of contract and the nature of scarcity um, and its role in what property rights are or what property is. Let's say he answered the question instantly and correctly, and it was like a proto IP argument. He said. Um, he said, "You know, you can use ideas in your head as much as you want, right? But no one owns ideas because they're not scarce resources." I mean, instantly he knew the answer, and to me, to my mind, that's extremely impressive. So he, I think, if he had thought about it more deeply, he would have arrived before I did at kind of my framework. But I did the work instead because I was the expert in that and interested in it. You know, the internet wasn't even around in '88, so no one was thinking much about copyright. But by 1995-ish, it was starting to become a, a big, a bigger issue, right, with piracy and all that, which is why I started turning my attention to it. So yeah, Hans, Hans is in total agreement with me, and he's he said in articles that he totally agrees with me. Interesting. That's yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. Um, we're kind of out of time here, but I'd love to get you back sometimes because uh, I'd love to talk about borders, and uh, okay. especially with especially with Hapa too. Um, that's one thing where I think I have. A bit of a contention, but uh, nevertheless, there's no time, and I feel I feel we've made a lot of progress tonight. I really appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, especially after the bit of a presumptive Facebook post I made, but um, it's it's been an honor and been great. Is there any? I guess you don't you don't have anything to plug. I usually let my guests plug, but are are you going to be speaking anywhere soon or making any appearances? I'm, I know you uh, posted at your website, right? Yeah, just my website has everything, stephankinsella.com. But I'm yeah, I'm my next uh, event is December. I'm going to Yale to 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 debate IP before um, the Yale Political Union. So that should be <laughs> that should be interesting. Excellent. So excellent. I think it's All December right. 5th or something. Stephankinsella.com. Yep. Okay, that's right. And I know you've got a ton of stuff to plug, that's why I said yeah, I usually ask. I'm with uh, you know guys that just have their own YouTube channels and stuff, but uh, I don't like to plug. Actually, you're I pretty like well known, so I think people know where to go to figure out where you're going to yeah. be. Um, yeah.
But yeah, anyways, uh, Stefan Kinsella, it's been a real pleasure and I uh, hope you'll come back on again sometime. Thanks so much for talking with us tonight. Thanks. Yep, you have a good day. Thanks. Bye. And let's see here. All right. All right, so we got Stefan Kinsella on the show tonight. That was a great conversation. Um, a lot of stuff cleared up, which is uh, I'm really happy about, actually. And even got some uh, questions about fascism and physical removal and uh, helicopter rides cleared up tonight. <laughs> so I did see that picture. Uh, it was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, it was great to have uh, Mr. Kinsella on tonight. It was an honor for me. And um, thanks, you guys. Thanks, Brent and Cap, for submitting your questions, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, Brent. Got one more comment here. Could I extract Ken Kinsella's comment on the helicopter controversy to my own channel? Yeah, man, feel free. Again, no IP here, bro. <laughs> Go ahead and do whatever you want with it. You can take that comment and, um, yeah, sure. And if you could link back to my channel, that'd be great. But either way, feel free, man. Thanks so much for watching. All right, this has been Voluntary Japan Live, episode 40, talking IP and property with Stefan Kinsella. Hope you guys have enjoyed the show a little bit longer than usual tonight. Um, totally worth it. And we will see you guys next time. If you want to donate to the channel, you can check out the QR code on the Facebook page on the banner. And you can donate there. And be sure to catch us every Tuesday at 10.30 p.m. Japan Standard Time. That is 9.30 uh, Central Standard Time for you folks in the US and uh, yeah be sure to stop on by we're always taking questions always taking comments and usually how I do the show is I just have what I call the voluntarist lobby where I will post the actual join link you saw tonight some people joining the conversation that was kind of an accident uh, joining the video chat but actually I like to do it that way we'll pick a topic anyone that wants can join the video chat and uh, we'll just uh, chew the fat and do it so thanks so much guys we will catch you next time peace